Good morning and welcome uh, to our fellowship. And we ask that you would stand together as we read responsively the call to worship, which is found on the inside flap of your bulletin. Let us worship God who reconciles us to himself through Christ. Let us worship God as Christ's ambassadors. Let us worship God in spirit and in truth. Let us pray. God, you provide us with reconciliation and redemption and renewal. And you and you alone are worthy of our praise. Lord, thank you for being here with us. And as we lift you in your holy name, may you be pleased and glorified in honor. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.
Amen. We do welcome you to our worship service today. If you're a guest, we especially are glad that you are here. We want to invite you to take a moment, share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship. Perhaps introduce yourself to someone that uh, you do not know. Morning, nice to meet you, Robin. Yeah, that's right. So does she. Morning, how are you? How's the semester going? Crunch, screws, not quite yet? Like, what? Yeah, want to share it? How are you? Nice to see you singing. Hey, Deb. All right, so last week, the uh, boys had their time of racing cars and sailboats, and this week, it's the girls' turn. And so we want to invite you to come and to uh, celebrate with them, to cheer them on as they uh, race the boats they've made and the cars they've made. And it should be, it's a really fun evening, and from what I understand, there's food there, so that's always a good draw if the races aren't. Uh, But I know they would appreciate if you have the opportunity to come and watch a little bit and to cheer them on this Wednesday night at 6.30. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. The children will be processing with palms, and you see information in the bulletin about that. And also next Sunday evening, as we uh, move into Holy Week, uh, the choir will be sharing, sharing Rudder's Requiem with us, and we invite you to uh, participate in that, be a part of that at 5 o'clock next Sunday night. Also, uh, we are collecting, uh, getting ready to collect plants for Easter that we will bring out on Easter morning, and you see information in the bulletin if you're interested in donating uh, a plant or more, or lilies, uh, flowers, whatever you would like to donate, that would be a part of our Easter celebration. There are always uh, concerns in the bulletin, people for whom we're praying that are connected to us, as well as circumstances around the world. And this morning, we especially want to pray for uh, people of West Africa, particularly in Liberia, where the Ebola virus is spreading. And we want to pray for God to bring an end to that, for healing. And we also want to pray for Alan and and Sherry Shea as they are coming back home and that uh, their time at home will be uh, a time of restoration and uh, a time of uh, connecting again with family and friends. We have the privilege today of welcoming some folks into the membership of the church, and I'm going to ask them to come and stand down here in the front. We had a couple that joined at the first service this morning, and we have four joining at this service. Christ gave himself for the church. He loves the church, he's the head of the church, his body and his bride. It is a privilege to be the church of Christ and to be connected to one another within the church. While we are all a part of Christ's church, if we are followers of Christ, there is a sense in which joining the church is a further step of connection in this church. And those who are joining today desire to take this step. And in order to know just a little bit of their heart, I'm going to ask them, a few questions uh, to respond to. Do you affirm your faith in Jesus Christ and the desire for Christ to continue to shape you into his image? If so, answer, I do. Do you affirm the core doctrines of historic Christianity and pledge yourselves to the unity of Christ in the diverse group of believers who are the Houghton Wesleyan Church? If so, answer, I do. Do you recognize your obligation to God and to the church to participate in the life of the church, to contribute to the support of the church, and to serve the church by using your gifts and abilities as the church fulfills its mission in the world? If so, answer, I do. 
I want to give you an opportunity to know a little bit about those who are joining today if you don't. And so uh, some of the elders are going to be introducing them. Oop, am I on? There I am. Good morning. It is my distinct pleasure to introduce to you this morning Rachel Anaker. Rachel is a junior vocal performance major at Houghton College. She studies voice with Kelly Hidgley, and she studies piano with me. (laughs) And she is truly one of my favorites. You know, we love all of our students uh, at Houghton, but Rachel has really endeared herself to me, and it is my great joy whenever she comes in for lessons. She is from Highland, California. And she accepted Christ when she was seven years old. She is an only child like me. How about that? God has such a sense of humor of putting us together. And one of the things that I think is really interesting about Rachel is that she started studying ballet when she was five years old and has been involved in dance ever since then. And when she was in high school, she started studying Irish dance. And I am standing next to a young woman who has placed first place numerous times in numerous Irish dance competitions. So if you want to learn about that, she's your gal. (laughs) It's my pleasure to introduce to you Catherine Elizabeth Thweet. Always Kate, never Catherine. (laughs) Hometown is Big Flats, Corning, New York. Transferring membership from the First Presbyterian Church of Elmira. Uh, Family is mom and dad and two brothers. Sean is 10. Cameron is 20 and in the Marine Corps. Semper Fi. Kate will be graduating this May with a degree in English and a minor in education. Transferred into Houghton with an associate's degree from Corning Community College and has been here three years and plans to stay in the area after graduation. Sings in the choir and occasionally in the uh, worship uh, team. Played flute and symphonic winds for a while. Uh, she rides horseback and takes lessons at the equestrian center. I know Kate best for her membership in the Stevenson House small group where her primary role is to bring down the average age. (laughs) Uh, Kate's first year at Houghton was a difficult year for her, and I want you to hear about that and some other things in her own words in an email that came to me. And I'm quoting now. I knew I was supposed to attend Houghton College the minute I got here. It's like God said, here's home on earth. My success at Houghton comes uh, from a very persistent advisor, Susan Martin, and the wonderful Jordan family. Most of all, I am still, still here at Houghton College and will be walking across the Wesley Chapel stage on May 10th because of Christina LaSalle Peterson and her amazing family. Christina quite literally pulled me into her arms and gave me the biggest hug the day after my best friend died. She has prayed with me and has been there to listen to my crazy life as well as give advice and counsel. This past December, after extenuating circumstances and the death of another friend, I was ready to leave Houghton when Christina welcomed me into her home Spending time with the LaSalle Peterson family has been such a blessing. We have laughed together until our sides ache, talked about anything and everything, 
and they constantly remind me of God's love. Christina has encouraged and helped me grow immensely in my faith and, of course, in my studies as well. I believe that God placed Christina in my life just when I needed earthly guidance. I'm choosing to become a part of the Wesleyan denomination because of the love and fellowship I have been shown by my fellow Houghton brothers and sisters in Christ. Kate's tweet. I'm very pleased to introduce Andrew and, and Susie Rohrbach. They're not uh, new to the community. They both grew up in the area. Uh, both attended Houghton Academy and Houghton College, and uh, now are both working at Houghton College. So we're very pleased to to have them as become members of the of the church. Andrew's parents are Doug and Krista Rohrbach. I'm sure most of you remember Doug and Krista. And Susie's the daughter of of Dave and Amy Brodigam over in Rushford area. Both work at Houghton College with Andrew in the custodial department and Susie in the student financial services area. They're already involved in the ministry of the church. They're very happy about this. They work in the nursery and also teach the first grade Sunday school class. So glad they're involved with that. Uh, for those of us who used to have little kids, we know how important that is. Andrew and Susie are neighbors of ours on Seymour Street, and uh, they are, are welcome to the church. Thank you so much. We'd ask the members of the church to stand and to affirm uh, your commitment to these who are joining today. We, the members of this church, welcome you as our beloved brothers and sisters in Christ. We commit ourselves to walk with you in love through discipleship and counsel, exhortation and grace, and to join our hearts and lives together in patience, gentleness, and love. Father, we thank you for the church and for the blessing of Christian fellowship, for joining together in one body all those who believe in Jesus Christ. We thank you for these who this day are becoming a part of this local church, this branch of Christ's body. We pray that you will grant to them and to all of us the grace and strength that we need to fulfill the vows that we have made to you and to one another. We pray that you will bind all of our hearts together in your holy love, that we may help each other and that together we may share the gospel with the world for which Christ died. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. At the end of the service, I'm going to ask the new members to come to the front and invite you to uh, welcome them and extend the right hand of fellowship to them as members of the congregation. Good morning. As most of you uh, know already, this is the Sunday where we vote uh, regarding extending the pastoral call to Wes Oden. Uh, this election is open to community and covenant members. After this service is over, if you haven't voted already, there will be an opportunity for you to vote here in the sanctuary foyer. The process is very easy. Uh, find your name on the membership list, check it off, take a ballot, and mark it. And the question is very straightforward. The elders recommend to you that Pastor West's call be extended for four years, and we simply ask do you agree yes or no. The elders thank you for your time and effort, and we uh, pray that God's blessing will be on, our, uh, on this election. Thank you.
The Old Testament reading is Psalm 43. Hear the word of the Lord. Vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. I will praise you with lyre, O God, my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is the word of the Lord. Join me in the prayer of confession that is printed in your bulletin. Almighty God, there's not a gift we have received, a thing we own, or an ability we possess that has not come from you. Nevertheless, we confess that we often struggle to trust that you meet our needs. Forgive us for doubting your provision. Remind us daily of the reality that you are our provider and sustainer. And may we live our lives to proclaim this truth. Amen.
As the ushers come forward to assist us in the, the giving our tithes and offerings, please stand and sing together the doxology. us and given us so much. Lord, as we give to you, we give with cheerful and grateful hearts, and we ask for your wisdom to use these gifts, these tithes and offerings, to your glory and to your honor. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. The New Testament reading is Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 46. And in keeping with tradition of the early church, please stand with me as I read Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 46. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed, 
Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer, when went back to his disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. This is the word of the Lord.
Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, for all that he suffered for us. We pray that you will help us to be sensitive to the word of your Spirit as we continue in worship, and we ask this through Christ. Amen. Please be seated. If you ask the question, what do people think about when you say the word prayer? You'll probably get a variety of responses. Some people would say prayer is adoration. Others would say it's thanksgiving. Others say praise. Others might say it is intercession. It is supplication, asking for God in our lives. For some, the most profound sense of prayer is meditation. There is the idea of contemplative prayer. There are all kinds of of ways in which we think about prayer. I read about a little girl who was on her way to church one Sunday and she was afraid she was going to be late and so she was running down the sidewalk. And the whole time she was running, she was praying, God, please don't let me be late. God, please don't let me be late. And as she ran and prayed, she, she didn't notice the curb and she tripped over it and fell. Her clothes all dirty, tore her dress. She got up, dusted herself off and took off running again. And again, as she ran, she prayed, God, please don't let me be late. And then she added, and God, please don't push me either. As I read that story, I have to admit, it sort of convicted me and inspired me at the same time. It convicted me in the sense that this little girl, it just sees God in life. But it also inspired me in the sense that she had this, we might say it's naivete, of being honest with God. Whatever was in her heart, she just said it to God. Because she saw God as a person that she could be honest with. And as we get older physically and as we mature spiritually, there is something in us that finds it difficult to be honest. Honest with God. Honest in our prayers. But not Jesus. This picture we get of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane just probably an hour or so before he is arrested, tortured, executed. We, we see Jesus praying. And as, this, as everything is coming to its conclusion, as everything that is, he's going to experience is squeezing in upon him, his recourse is to pray. And verse 42 tells us that his prayer is, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Father, if you are willing, is it possible to find another way to accomplish what you and I both know needs to happen? Now, that's not unwillingness. That's just honesty. Jesus is honest with the Father. He has no problem being honest with the Father. And Jesus pours out his heart in this prayer. Luke says that that he is praying so hard, he's in such agony, that his sweat is like drops of blood. 
I, I suspect that the agony of prayer and the struggle in his prayer is having some understanding of what is awaiting him physically. Torture and death. But I don't think it's limited to that. And in fact, I don't even think that's the primary thing. I think it's more the sense of knowing that when he hangs on the cross, he's going to take upon himself the sins of the world. And when he does that, he's going to take upon himself, he's going to feel the guilt and the shame and the remorse that he's never felt before. I think that's why he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't think it's because God turned his back on him that God actually forsook him because God doesn't do that. But I think he felt that way. Just like you and I do when we sin and the next moment we are filled with guilt and shame and our response to God is he's rejecting me. He, there's no way he could love me. There's no way he could care about me anymore. He, he, he's done with me. And there's this ache in our souls Because we've separated ourselves from God. And we're sure he's rejecting us. And Jesus is in agony of soul about what is yet to come. And he's honest about it. And this prayer of honesty that we find in Jesus is a call to us about being honest in our prayers. There is something about, about speaking a prayer. About acknowledging the truth of the struggle, whatever we're facing. That helps us. That's why the first step of every 12-step program is acknowledging I have a need. Hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm an alcoholic. I'm so-and-so. I'm addicted to gambling. I'm so-and-so. I'm addicted to drugs. You never go anywhere until that first moment of acknowledging and being honest. And our prayers will remain stuck no matter what the struggle may be, until we come to the point of being honest. Something about speaking the words has power. How do, so why do we struggle so much to be honest with God? He already knows our hearts. He already knows everything that's going on. What's our struggle? I think part of it is because... When we, when we acknowledge the struggle, we're acknowledging that it's real. And something in the back of our minds wants to believe that if we don't acknowledge it, it's not real. And if we acknowledge it, it has to be dealt with. And probably God is going to call us to do something about it. And we'd rather not. The most natural thing as human beings to do in struggle is not to be honest with God, it's to run and hide from God. We see it in Adam and Eve in the garden. They sin, God shows up, they run and hide. Because they believe that God is now going to reject them. Now we do that, we run and hide because we share with other people some intimate details of our lives, some of our struggles, and sometimes they... Respond the way we hope they will, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes people reject us, and they run away from us, and they say, whoa, that's too big for me. And the evil one whispers in our ears, you know, that's exactly what God's going to do. If you're honest with God, you're done. 
He's going to reject you. He's going to turn from you. You're done. When the reality is exactly the opposite. Jesus gets through because he's honest. You look at this image in the garden. The disciples sleep. And it says because they're overwhelmed with sorrow. I don't know exactly what that means. So they must have some inkling of what's going to happen. But they don't seem to be taking what's about to happen as seriously as Jesus is. Just a few, maybe 30 minutes before, Peter has said to Jesus, I'll go to death for you. And Jesus says, Peter, before tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three times. And I can just see Peter going, what? No way. That's not a struggle for me. I don't have any problem. I'll be fine. There's no acknowledgement of the honest struggle that he's about to face in the disciples. And they run away and hide. Whereas Jesus faces it head on, acknowledges the reality, and he's victorious. But honest prayer isn't the end. Our honest prayers lead us to surrendered prayer. Because Jesus doesn't just pray, Father, if it's possible, could this cup be passed from me? He then says, but not my will, yours be done. There is a surrendering to his prayer, to this struggle, to his life. And praying honestly with God leads us then to God's call to surrender, whatever it is we're wrestling with, just as Jesus does. We struggle to do that. Sometimes we can take the step of being honest, but we don't want to take the step of surrender. Or some call it the prayer of relinquishment. Where we, and it's in this prayer of relinquishment, of surrender, is not giving up, throwing up our hands and saying, I quit. It's giving to. It's giving to God. It's acknowledging the struggle honestly, and then saying, God, I want to give this to you. I'm tired of fighting it. Because the alternative of giving it to God is that we can handle it all by ourselves on our own. And we are all witnesses of the fact that that's simply not going to happen. And so Jesus says, Father, I give it to you. I surrender it. I relinquish it. And does that mean when Jesus does that, that now everything becomes beautiful, all the problems fade away? God says, well, you know what, Let, let's change this. And you, I don't want you to go through all of that. No, he still goes through all of it. And often you and I will as well. The willingness to surrender, to relinquish the struggles that we face doesn't eliminate the struggle. But in some ways, what God does with that is is beside the point because we are simply bringing God into it and we're giving it to him. And we're saying, God, I trust you. And that is just as God can take this relinquishment of Christ and yes, it leads him to death, but it also leads him to life. So God takes our prayers of relinquishment and may lead us into struggles and difficulties and pain and heartache, but on the other side is life. And joy and peace. And how do we know that? Because we are praying to our loving Heavenly Father. It's not a coincidence that in this moment of agony, this moment of struggle, Jesus says, Father. When I think of that prayer of Jesus, I'm reminded of what Luke writes 
of Jesus when, in, in chapter 11 as he's teaching his disciples to pray. And he says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? We aren't surrendering to someone about whom we're not sure how they feel about us. We are surrendering to our loving Heavenly Father. We are surrendering to Christ who goes to the cross for us. We are surrendering to to the one who loves us with an everlasting love. Who is for us every moment and whose desire is what is best for us. We have a hard time relinquishing because we're stuck in mediocrity. And we think, that's good enough. Where I am, it's good, it'll work. When all the while God is saying, I have so much more for you. I have so much further I want to take you. So much more I want to do in your life. And yes, there'll be some hard roads as you go through it. But the end of it is awesome. Richard Foster says the struggle of the struggle of relinquishment in the, is, is change for us. It's how change comes about, but he says it's not the kind of change that a tornado makes. It's the kind of change that you find with a grain of sand in an oyster shell. It's that kind of change. And it doesn't happen overnight. More than likely, we will continue to need to pray the prayer of relinquishment. We'd like to think we pray it once, we're done, we move on. That's just not how life works. With Jesus, the other, Matthew and Mark tell us that when Jesus goes to the garden and he kneels to pray, Father, if this cup pass from me, may it be possible, but not my will, yours be done. And then he gets up and he goes back to the disciples and he wakes them up. And he goes back and he prays the prayer again. And he gets up and he goes back to the disciples, wakes them up again, goes back to pray. Three times he offers this prayer. And, and I think that's symbolic of the whole hour or so that he prays. This is his prayer over and over and over again. And I don't think this is the first time he's prayed it. I think he's been praying this prayer for a long time, knowing what is to come, knowing all that he has sacrificed, the times when he's been tempted by the evil one, that his prayer is continually honest and surrender, relinquishment. And if Jesus prays for this Multiple times, how much more do we need to pray multiple times? Just keep giving it to God. Just keep relinquishing it. It may be something we do every morning. We we wake up and say, God, I'm giving this to you again. And every night before we go to bed, we say, God, I'm giving this to you again. And every time we do that, it is an act of trust. It is an act of surrender. It is putting us in a place where God can do beautiful things in our lives. In his book, simply titled Prayer, Richard Foster tells a story about a friend of his who 
for quite some time had been badgering him about coming to this town far away from where he lived to do a seminar on the prayer of inner healing. He kept putting her off. He, you know, first of all, he didn't want to make this trip. And second, he knew there were people in her town who could do this as well or better than he could. But she kept hounding him about it. And they were at a conference one time and she again brought this up and he said, all right, here's what we're going to do. You go home and you pray about this. Talk to God, but don't talk to anyone else. And if six people on their own approach you about doing this, then I'll come and do it. He said, now, mind you, I wasn't trying to listen to God. I was just trying to get out of going to the speaking engagement. And within a week, she called him and said, Richard, I haven't said a word to anyone except to God. I've already had 12 people who've come to me and asked if you'd come and do the seminar. He said, I was stuck. I had to go. So he went. It was this woman and 15 social workers. And they met at her home. The first night, they were sitting in a circle, and a gentleman in the group said to them, listen, I want you guys to go easy on me. I'm not one of you. It was his way of saying, I'm not a believer. I'm not a Christian. And they took that in a a wonderful spirit of grace, and they were very kind and gentle with him. And, And Foster said that the weekend together, was the spirit was so present it was so clear. He said, so much so that by Sunday afternoon, the same gentleman said to the group, would you pray for me that I would know Jesus the way you know Jesus? And he said, it was one of those moments where they didn't quite know what to do because it's, it just felt like the normal responses weren't adequate. And so they just sat in silence for a few moments And then a young man got up from his seat and walked over to this gentleman and put his hands on his shoulders and he prayed for him. And Foster said, it was a prayer I will never forget. In fact, he said, I I felt like taking my shoes off. It, it, It seemed like we were on holy ground. And the funny thing is, he he prayed a television commercial. There was a commercial on television at that time for Nestea. And, and he would show people out in the sweltering heat of summer, sweat pouring off of them. And they would pick up a glass of tea and tip it back to drink. And as they did, they would fall backwards into a swimming pool and say, ah, as they splashed into the water. And this young man with his hands on the shoulders of this gentleman prayed that he would simply fall back into the arms of Jesus. And experience that sense of awe. And the man began to weep and sob. And he said, it was, it was, one, of, it was one of those grace-filled moments as he opened his heart to Christ. And Foster says... I think that's a great image of the prayer of relinquishment. That we simply are falling back into the arms of Jesus. Falling back into the arms of the one who loves us. Because we can trust him. And he's good and he's for us. And I'm convinced that the most profound place to do that is in the church. 
Now, your antenna may come up right away because maybe you're thinking, the church? Church is a place of judgment. Church is not a place where we can be honest. We all wear masks in church. We all put up facades in church. We don't, we don't do that kind of thing in church. This is, this is not the way I think of church. But it's supposed to be. This God's plan for the church is that it is the one place where we find forgiveness and acceptance and love and grace and truth and mercy. This is the one place. And that's why when we were putting together our vision statement a few years ago, and we thought and we prayed and thought about if the Holy Spirit really shaped us into the church that he wants us to be, if we, if we were the church that was so filled with the Spirit that we were really in his image, what would that look like? And, and, and we wrote down these, some of these things, that we would acknowledge our personal and corporate brokenness, that we'd be honest, that we would affirm our strong dependence on each other, that we need each other, that we would embrace and love all others, that we live together in ongoing forgiveness as God has forgiven us, that we would practice Gracious discernment and mutual confession and love for our enemies. That we'd be the church. That we would be a spiritual hospital. And a hospital is a place for people who have needs. Who for somehow are acknowledging the need and saying, I need help. And that's the church. That's what the church is, is supposed to be. This place where we come and say, I have needs and, and I need help to surrender to Christ. And so this morning, we're going to give opportunity to do that. Similar to what we did about a month ago, the elders and the pastors are going to come to the altar and we're going to invite those of you who would like to come and give us the privilege of praying for you, praying with you. It doesn't matter what the situation may be. You may have, it may be something about your future that you're wrestling with God and you're finding it hard to really give it up and, and you need someone that would help you to have someone pray for you. It might be about a relationship it may be a struggle in your heart. It might be your life surrendered. Maybe you're, you're wrestling with something related to an illness or pain or, or grief or loss. And maybe even you came and, and we prayed for you a month ago and you want to come again. Please do. Whatever it may be, we invite you to come. And we invite you to be as to say as much or as little as you want. I know this is a little bit, can be a little bit of an intimidating situation, but God knows, just be honest with him. But we want to have, we want to, to give the privilege, offer the privilege of praying for you, praying with you. And so as the elders and the pastors come, if you would like for us to pray for you, please come.
Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for inviting us to pray boldly and honestly and for giving us courage to relinquish all to you. We do want to pray your grace upon those who are struggling today with grief or illness, with pain and trouble. Pray you'd comfort everyone who has need, every aching heart, every burdened soul. Heal all of our diseases through the grace and power of who you are. We pray today for all in West Africa who are being affected by the Ebola virus. Bring an end to the suffering and infection, particularly among people who have already endured so much hardship in the last few years. We pray for Alan and Sherry and their boys in the transition to the States. We pray that their time here would restore them and as they reconnect with family and friends, that you would use this to help them. Father, open our eyes to your presence with us. Give us grace to continue to trust you as we surrender to you. We ask all of this through the mercy of Christ, who goes to the cross for us, and who leaves us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please stand and join me in the closing hymn.
May God, who knows our hearts, fill you, body, soul, and spirit, with his grace and mercy as you go from this place to walk in his love now and forevermore. Amen.